So I got to open today by just being a little bit transparent with you. Uh, yesterday I went to grab dinner uh, with my son and I ordered my food and it was at one of those places where you just pick up the order right there at the counter and uh, they call your name, right? So what's your name? My name is Tim. We'll call your name when your order's ready. Well, there's a lot of people around, a lot of people frantically trying to make all these orders come to life. And uh, we hear the name yelled. Uh, but it was one of those places where everyone working uh, was also wearing a mask. And so when they made the announcement, like, your order's ready, it was... <laughs> That's how it sounded. And so I'm like, oh, was that Tim? And <laughs> So it's just kind of a guessing game at this point. Like, whose, whose order is this? And uh, I, was, I was trying to get clarity from the lady who had called the, the name out. Uh, there was about, ah, let's call it a 14, 15-year-old kid uh, who came up and, and grabbed the bag with, with what I thought had my food in it. And so I'm just watching very closely. I'm like, wait a second, I'm pretty sure that that's my food. Whose order was that? We can't find out. It's just, it's constant. We have no idea. I don't know how to interpret that. Uh, <laughs> So I just watched as this, you know, 14, 15-year-old kid uh, took what I presumed to be my order uh, to a table, and he's there with his dad, and uh, they start opening that bag, right? They, they open up the, the top, you know, styrofoam thing, and they see the food, and, and I watch him with my eyes go through the food with his hands <laughs> and go and closes it back up, puts it back in the bag, and his dad's like, he takes the bag back and puts it back on the counter with all the other bags. At which point I say, whose order is this? And finally I get, Tim. And I said, oh no, 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 no. That kid just touched every part of that food. There's no way I'm taking that back. So I had to, I had to do that with a smile <laughs> because my first name is Pastor. And in that moment, I'm so irritated because I'm looking back at the dad, and he's just like, you touched my food, man. Not cool. And that's the moment I realize, oh, yeah, tomorrow I'm preaching on self-control. That's awesome. <laughs> I was not happy. I, was, I, mean, I wore it with a smile. I was the best, I, you would have been proud of me. Crossroads, I would have made you proud. But... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's why I told that story. I needed your applause. Um, <laughs> but the reality is, it's like those moments are the moments that reel us in, right? And normally you don't see those moments coming, but how you respond in those moments is really important. And that's why it's important that we talk about this concept of having self-control. And there's a really important truth that I, I want to just, I want to put out there and let you think about while we unpack this today, and it's just the truth of this promise that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10. This is not on any of the screens. I just want you to listen to this promise because it is so true and it is so powerful in our lives. Paul writes, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. No temptation has taken you except that which is common. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I mean, think about the reality and just the amazing promise that that is. Yeah, we're going to face temptation in our life. But it's not going to be anything that anyone else hasn't also faced. And God is faithful. 
He will always provide a way to escape that. You guys, we don't have to live consumed by our sin, consumed by our addictions. God calls us to live a life that is victorious. God calls us to live a life that is free. We don't have to live that way anymore because of the power of the Holy Spirit living in our lives. Is that amazing? How about an amen for that? Because that changes everything, right? changes everything. I want you to think about that, that truth, that promise, that reality as we unpack this, this fruit of the Spirit, self-control today, because this is a fruit in our life. This is a characteristic that exists because of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. I'm going to start where we started for the last eight weeks as we've unpacked each of these fruits. Paul writes in Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and today we talk about self-control. There is no law against these things. You can live this way all you want to. It is the life that is blessed by God. And what we've realized over these last eight weeks of unpacking these fruits is that love is the thread that goes through each of them. They're all connected by the way that love shows itself and reveals itself. And the reality is when we talk about self-control, I would like to define it today in the vein of love where we realize that self-control is love restraining. That's me surrendering all of my desires, everything that I want in life, all the decisions that I want to make for me and all of my selfishness, and saying, God, no, I'm, I'm going to restrain that. I'm going to surrender that. And instead of living the way that, that I want to, following the desires of my heart, God, I'm going to say yes to you every single day. And it's not going to be what I want. It's going to be what you want. That's, that's the power of living a life that is, is walking with Jesus. The Holy, the Holy Spirit produces that characteristic and that character in your life. And I want you to be reminded today, you can live a victorious life of freedom. And we can do that because of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. This, I would contend, is the pinnacle of the fruits of the Spirit in terms of how we live the life that God has called us to. And so I want you to lean in today with the reality of being that, that God has given us this extraordinary promise that, that we can be free. I don't have to be enslaved to my habits and my addictions and to my sins. I can be set free. And it's the power of God that allows us to do that. Now here's the thing. Self-control is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize that out of the gate. And I want to read to you 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. Uh, Peter says this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Again, these are promises that I think we need to cling to as followers of Jesus. God has given us the divine power for everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. I mean, the promises that he's referring to are the promises that I don't have to live this way anymore, that God's Spirit is living in me, he's working through me, he's helping me become more and more like him. And we talk about that all the time here at Crossroads. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way, right? He wants you to become more like him. That is the journey of life that he's called us to. And that gets messy, it's up and down. But the reality is, over the course of time, the trajectory of my life is it's me becoming more like Jesus, 
It's when I realize I've been dealing with a difficult situation in my life. I've been struggling with this certain temptation. It's realizing I have gotten victory over that. I'm walking closer with Jesus now. And then once you feel like you've arrived, God starts working on something else. He's always molding you and shaping you into his image. He's constantly helping you become more and more like him. But the reality is I'm not who I once was. God is helping me become more and more like him. And that's that's life that he has called us to. That's life to the fullest. That's where he calls each and every one of us to be. But it takes work. I mean, I think it was Lamoris Crawford here a few months ago talking about marriage, said marriage, this is how you do it. It takes work, W-O-R-K. And I think the reality is when it comes to the Christian life, it's no different. It takes intentionality. It takes focus. You've got to put in the work. And that's what self-control is. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to show restraint. And it all flows out of this attitude of surrender. It's saying yes to Jesus every single day. Now, it's not easy. And in Galatians chapter 5, Paul kind of maps out what this journey looks like. And so I want to rewind a few verses from where we've been camping out for the last few weeks and, and look at the setup for how we get to this list of the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 16 and 17, Paul writes this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Think about that as a concept to your life. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I mean, what he's circling here is that there is this constant battle going on between your old sinful nature and then this life that God has called you to that is surrendered to him. He's saying, hey, God has a plan for you, a life that is lived to the fullest, where you experience the fullness of his purpose and his plan for your life. But that takes work. You've got to let the Holy Spirit guide your life. And every single step of that journey, you're going to be fighting against your sinful nature. You've got to stay focused. This takes work. But it's a glorious life that God has called you to. You've just got to be ready to battle. And when I think about two like, opposing forces that are constantly at war with each other, I'm not going to lie to you. I've got to think back to about three, four weeks ago when I was in a car driving with my family down all the way to Florida. All right? I'm just I'm going to throw this out here. It was 17 and a half hours of being in a car. It's been a while since we did that in a car. Usually we just fly, get it over with, it's easy. And what I didn't realize, because I'm a little bit cheap, I rented a car so I wouldn't put all the miles on my car, plus I have a Jeep and it gets like 16 miles a gallon. I didn't want to do that with 16 miles a gallon. Uh, I rented a car, but I'm too cheap. I didn't get the bigger car, I got the medium-sized car. And in my mind, I'm saying, it's fine to get a medium-sized car because I have medium-sized kids. They're okay. They're 11 and 13. It's fine. But that's not how it plays out in the real world. And when you add to that the fact that my 11-year-old started getting car sick, he had a splitting headache, the longer that this trip went, the more there were opposing forces in the backseat of this car, all right? There was, Carter, stop doing that. You're bothering me. I'm not doing anything. Stop being so picky. I don't feel good. Be quiet. Carter, you're breathing too loud. (laughs) 
We literally left the car in Tampa and flew back. That's real life. <laughs> we did. It's just on the side of the road. I have no idea where it is. <laughs> That's the battle, though, that you are facing, right? That's the war that you are waging. And it's, it's a battle for your mind. It's a battle for your heart. It's a battle for your soul. And the devil, he is waging war against you because the last thing he wants to see is you living this life that God has called you to. Let's just be real. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8 that the, the devil is like a lion that's on the prowl. And he's looking out across, you know, the field to see who it is that he can devour. He's out to get you. And we've got to be aware of that. We've got to be aware of our weaknesses. We've got to be aware of the, of the, the points in our life where we can be tripped up and fall. And I'm so thankful that we have a church where we are a family. We're here in this together. You, you have a, a family of people around you who are here to encourage you, to hold you accountable, to do this life together. We've got a ministry called Celebrate Recovery that helps people get over their hurts, their habits, and their hangups, and helps them live this life that God has called them to. Because we all have hurts, habits, and hangups. We all have the issues that we're dealing with that we've got to stay focused on so that we don't trip up and fall. That's the war that's waging all the time, and the devil's constantly looking for the weak points where he, can, where he can trip you up. And so that's why it's really important to recognize a couple of things. Number one, self-control requires self-awareness. Let's just think about that for a second. I must be able to recognize my weaknesses. I've got to know what trips me up so that I can avoid putting myself in that situation. I've got to know what trips me up so that I can find people who will encourage me and hold me accountable and keep me away from that, that temptation that I struggle with. Again, that's why Celebrate Recovery is so amazing. You can go through life with groups of people who are there for you all the time. They're going to make sure that you have victory, that keep you on the right path, focused on who God is and the life that he's called you to. We're, we're better together, and we're in this together. Yeah, that's worth clapping about. That, that's us. That's a church family. But you've got to be aware. You can't just walk around with blinders on and think that everything's okay. You've got to be self-aware. I want to share a quick story with you. It's the story of my basketball highlight for my entire career of playing basketball. I, I would like to share this story with you uh, mostly because I would just like applause again. It'd be fantastic. Um, when I was 19, uh, the, the college that I was attending was building a new rec center, which was great for the people that were going to be there the following year. But for the year that I was there, they're building it. There is no rec. It's all under construction. So they gave every student at our college a membership to the Y, which was just down the road from our dorms. So during the week, we would just go to the Y, and there'd be all kinds of amazing sports events happening. And the basketball court was like the main arena, right? Because we're in Indiana, and that's, you know, basketball. Well, at least it used to be king. Now it's football. Let's just be honest. Uh, but the reality is there would be hundreds of people gathered around, and there would be great basketball games happening. Winners stayed on the court. And so one of these glorious moments that happened in my basketball career was in front of all these people playing basketball. My roommate and I are on the same team, and we get a steal. It's a fast break situation, two on one. I'm dribbling up the court. Hundreds of people watching. This is a blast. I'm going, this is going to be fun. What's the defender going to do? Is he going to hang back and guard my teammate? Am I going to score the layup? Or is he going to come on me and I need to make the pass? Well, sure enough, I'm dribbling up the court. He comes up to guard me. And in one glorious moment, I did a behind-the-back pass that was upward trajectory enough that my roommate, who is 6'3", grabs the ball out of midair and slam dunks it home. And you guys, the whole place went nuts. 
I'm sitting there going, I don't know what I was doing. I have no idea. I was 19. It was amazing. My roommate's going crazy. It's like hi-fi. We're all going nuts. And some of you are going, wait a second, Tim, your basketball highlight is a pass? Yes, it is. It's just a pass. Um, but it was an unbelievable moment. I'm like, yes! I get chills just thinking about all oh, the glory days. And <laughs> what I need to remember is that that event happened back in the 1900s, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> fast forward 10 years, all right? Now, now Tim is 29 years old, but he's not really aware. That's the whole point of this story, self-awareness. I found myself in the exact same situation in a men's basketball league I was playing. We got a steal, friend of mine, two-on-one situation, fast break, and I'm in the exact same spot. The defender comes to take me on again, and I realize, it's like one of those split-second things where I realize, oh, I'm in the same exact spot that I was 10 years ago. I can do the behind-the-back pass. This is going to be amazing. And so I went, whew, and the ball just stopped. <laughs> Ten years ago, that wasn't there. <laughs> oh, man. And instead of this beautiful pass, it just bounced off my side and out of bounds. And I'm like... My bad. That's yeah. <laughs> terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> Got to be self-aware. That's the point. can be embarrassing. <laughs> you got to recognize your weaknesses, all right? If you're walking with blinders on, you think you got it all together, pride goes before the fall, right? You've got to be ready because the devil's going to do everything he can to trip you up. You can't be walking around with blinders. You've got to be self-aware. If you know that you've got weaknesses, if you know that you've got those spots where it's that sin that easily trips you up, guard yourself. Guard your heart. Avoid those situations. Make sure you've got someone who's holding you accountable that's encouraging you. We're better together. You don't have to live that way. God gives you the chance, the opportunity to live that victorious life of freedom. Don't put yourself in a place where the devil will trap you, all right? Be self-aware. Number two. If we continue on in Galatians 5, um, Paul writes it out in pretty vivid detail what it is that we're, we're supposed to avoid, okay? He says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. This is a new covenant. I mean, what he's explaining here is the new covenant that we have in Jesus. Jesus came and changed everything. Now we have forgiveness of our sins. Now it's all about a relationship with him, okay? He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature... The results are very clear. Nothing's changed. And this list that we're about to read through, it's 2,000 years old, and it's all still the same. I think our, our culture likes to sugarcoat it, tries to justify and rationalize, but these are still the things that lead to a path of destruction. And so he writes it out. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Everybody knows. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. This is where it hits hard. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that gets heavy real fast. Because we have to realize that there's a break from my old life 
And my old life looks very different than this new life that God has called me to. When I say yes to Jesus, when I recognize the incredible love that God has for me, John 3, 16, what an amazing verse. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave us Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. When I come to reality and and grasp the, the fact that in Jesus I can experience forgiveness of my sins, I don't have to walk in my guilt and in my shame, I can be set free. I can live a life of victory. I don't have to live the way that I used to live. Guys, that changes everything. And when we talk about living this life that's guided by self control, where the fruit of my life is, is exemplified by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's a different life. That's life to the fullest. That's me living out the purpose and the plan that God has for me. It's completely different. There's, there's got to be this recognition that I have to have a break with the old life. And I'm not going to lie, spoiler alert, the next three weeks, that's what we're diving into, and I can't wait. It's a series called The Breakup. We're going to have a blast talking about this. And the reality is my life is not the way it used to be. We have to celebrate that. Your life doesn't have to be the way it's been. You can be set free. And that's the whole point of what Paul is saying here. He's saying, listen, you've got to follow this path that God is calling you to, because if you don't break up from your past life, That's not the life that inherits the kingdom of heaven. That's not the life that's encountered Jesus and let him change you. It's different. The old life is gone. I'm embracing something new that's so much better. I can be set free. I don't have to be trapped or enslaved to any of these things in my life. So self-control requires self-discipline. I've got to stay focused on Christ. I love what it says in Hebrews. Let us... Fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us stay focused on him. He's the author and he's the perfecter of our faith. And when I stay focused on Jesus, he perfects my faith. He helps me continue that journey of becoming more and more like him. It takes discipline. I've got to stay focused on Jesus. So self-control, it takes self-awareness. I've got to recognize my weak spots, not put myself in any unnecessarily precarious situations. But then I have to have discipline i got to stay focused on Jesus. I've got to run this race, this life that God has given me, focused on winning the prize, giving it everything that I have so that I can experience everything that God has in store for me. That's fulfilling that purpose and plan that he has for you. i got to stay disciplined. Man, if you're, you're living your life with all these things that Paul listed out, he says that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then that's the setup for the verses that we've been diving into for the last two months. Paul writes, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Catch this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And that, that gets real. Think about the significance. I mean, I don't know if there's more powerful of a word picture in all of Scripture than that. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. Do you, be, do you belong to Jesus? 
have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. That means you've said, this is not who I'm going to be. This is the old life. I've been made new. And what an amazing promise to realize I don't have to live that way because God's given me his unbelievable promises for my life. There's no temptation in my life. There's no stronghold that God does not allow you to have victory over. You can walk in victory. You can be free. It just comes from daily saying yes to Jesus. And I I just close with this final point, self-control. It requires self-restraint. And that's that whole attitude. That's that whole mindset of that realization where I must surrender everything in my life to God. Self-control, I think in its most base form, is just me saying yes to Jesus every single day. Staying focused on him, being aware of my surroundings, aware of my weaknesses, and realizing I'm going to avoid anything that could trip me up. I'm going to avoid that sin that so easily trips me up and entangles me, and I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to run this race for him. And when I make that choice, man, God gives me the power to overcome. He gives me the power to be free. You don't have to live that old life anymore. And so as we come to a close, I would just ask where you're seated today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Would would you just take this moment to just bow your head, close your eyes, and draw close to Jesus? Because the reality is that everything in my life needs to be surrendered to God. And when it comes to this idea of self-control, it's love restraining. It's making sure that I'm self-aware. I recognize my weaknesses. It's recognizing that I need to be disciplined. i got to stay focused on Jesus. It's the realization that I have to have self-restraint. I must surrender everything in my life to God. And when I get to that point, the unbelievable promise is that God is faithful. And so where you're at today, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just asking you, what what is it that you need to surrender to Jesus? What's what's he asking for? And I just want to encourage you in this moment just to say yes. Say yes to Jesus. Because he loves you with an extravagant love. He offers you the power to live a victorious life of freedom. And that's what he longs for you more than anything else. It's when we say yes to Jesus every single day that you begin living that that life that he's called you to. That your life begins to produce this fruit because of what he's doing in your life. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. Would you say yes to Jesus today? I want to pray this prayer over you. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Jesus, we are so thankful for your love and we just ask God that you would help us to have the courage and the strength to say yes to you every single day. To live life to the fullest, the life that you have called us to. Help us to remember who we are We are your children. You give us the power to be free. We are no longer enslaved to any of these things that have held 
held us back in our, in our old life. God, help us to walk in the freedom and the power of who you are and who you're calling us to be. Again, help us to say yes to you every single day. God, we give you glory and we give you praise because you are worthy. We pray this in your name. Amen.